Irish Media Network. We entertain. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Irish Media Network Sports Update. I'm your host, as always, Joe Caulfield. Welcome to the show. Now, in this week's show, we're going to be talking to the build-up of UFC 252. It is Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. It is the trilogy. This is about legacy. This is about history. This is why we are here. And joining me on the show today to talk not just about that, but about Sean O'Malley and Vera and everything else that's kicking off on Saturday. Uh, I'm joined by Peter Carroll of The Bash MMA. Thanks so much for joining me, Peter. How are things? Good, good, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. Very excited for this weekend, of course. I'm out of breath after that introduction, man. I'm so excited <laughs> about it. Yeah, man. It, it, it's it's a good one. It's It feels like a big card. I think they've been few and far between since... Uh, Foyd Island and stuff like that. So this one feels like a big one in Vegas. They, they, the cards have been pretty light over the last couple of weeks, in my opinion. So this is a, a huge fight and a great support and a, a cast as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Brilliant. So like, let's stop at the top, start at the top of the card. Uh, it's the trilogy, man. Like there, there are two fights apiece. Uh, there's so much of the line in terms of the build up to it. In terms of fighters' preparation. So I would imagine you fight, you get beaten. You learn, where was I vulnerable and how did that lead to my defeat? And what can I do to mitigate against that happening again? They've won one each. They've lost one each. Who has more to learn and improve on coming into this fight? Um, I think it's I think it's got to be the guy challenged for the belt, uh, Cormier. And, and given that it's going to be his last fight ever, I think you know that's going to add so much strength to the situation for him. You want to go out on a high note. He's obviously 41 years of age. But I feel like... The first fight between him and Stipe, a lot has made of that eye poke that happened just before the finish. Uh, people seem to overlook the the clinch game he employed and then uh, punching on the way out of it, which was a fantastic tactic. He seemed to really rattle Stipe with that. But then it comes down to the body shots in the in the second fight then for that Stipe yeah. landed. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, we were speaking to Javier Mendez during the week on the bash, um, myself and Noel McGrower, and he was saying, you know, that that's definitely something they have to work on. Um, and I'm sure... Stipe is going to be trying to keep distance and not get in those clinch situations with Cormier because not only did he land beautiful strikes there, but if you're going to start wrestling with Cormier, there's there's few guys on the roster in any weight class that can really stand up to his pedigree on the mat, you know? Mm-hmm. In terms of that second fight, as you're saying, so DC really dominated the first three rounds of that fight, and it was only when Stipe changed it up and started hitting him and rocking him with those body shots that it really threw him off his game. What's he going to be able to do to negate that if, if Stipe employs that tactic again? I mean, I think he, I think I'd like to see him wrestle a lot more in this fight. It's just tough because Stipe is so big. He's a good wrestler himself. But it feels like that's Cormier's bread and butter. And when you're standing and striking with Stipe, it's not just a matter of, you know, how's it going in the first round as we saw the last time. There was a plan B. There was probably a plan C that we didn't get to see either. So, I mean, I think that showed great wrinkles to Stipe's game. And really, I, I think when you're thinking about the two of them, the, the, the glaring advantage Cormier has is in the wrestling. And if you're on top of a dude, it's going to be very hard to hit him in the body. So, yeah. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, but a lot easier said than done, especially when you have the power Stipe has. You know what I mean? He's, he's slept so many lads over the years and obviously packs a huge punch and look he he's he doesn't get credit for the tactician he is you only have to look at that and Ganyu fight had to come through absolute hell in the first round of that fight to start wrestling him and what a unit he is what a risk you have to take even getting that close to Ngannou 
Um, so I, I think that's one part of it that's very overlooked for Stipe. He's a great fight in mind, as does Cormier. But certainly in that last fight, he seemed to have a lot more tricks up his sleeve than Cormier did. Mm-hmm. Does his reach advantage help him to kind of keep Cormier at a distance and stop him imposing that wrestling game on him? Yeah, and, and even just that clinch. In that first fight, he just kept tying him up. As soon as he got out of the clinch, he was landing huge hooks, uppercuts. Mm-hmm. And it was, I just don't think he can let Cormier touch it. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't let yeah, him yeah, yeah. Keep him on the end of that big stick. Keep jo- the jab in his face. And I'd be very surprised if that wasn't his tactic coming in here. Just don't let Cormier get close to him. Jab, jab, keep moving. Um, you know, it, it, it's been a long time since since we saw Cormier fight as well. And, I mean, those months can be massively, massively um, kind of – they can be really challenging for fighters in their later career. 41, like, that's no spring chicken to be going into a to a heavyweight bout. I do think it's – it's a division where older men have been able to to have a lot of success because uh, they bring experience into it. But I just, it's hard for me to say that uh, he has more experience, more veteran know-how than, than Stipe based on that last fight. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier as well, and it kind of ties in with that. DC has said that he's retiring after this fight, that this fight is about his legacy, that, you know, what he didn't achieve in terms of being better than John Bones Jones at light heavyweight he, he could be possibly considered as the greatest heavyweight of all time. It really seems like he's almost intentionally hyping the pressure, heaping the pressure, rather, on himself. And as General George Patton said, pressure makes diamonds. But a lot of people crack under that pressure. Do you mm. think that'll be a positive or a negative for DC going into the fight? Yeah, I mean, I don't really buy into this greatest heavyweight of all time thing, really. Um you know, I think I think they're two brilliant heavyweights, maybe the best heavyweights in the history of the UFC. But I think it's, I think the UFC always do this where they they pretend they are the history and the be all and end all of the sport. Yeah, I still think Fedor's run at heavyweight and pride is the, is the best run we've ever seen. The most technical in striking in terms of game plans and and grappling the things he did absolutely phenomenal, like nearly superhuman. The the way he came back against Kevin Randleman back in the day. I think it's very hard for anyone to compete with that run, but I think it's probably for the best heavyweight in the UFC history. And yeah, I think he is a guy who usually rises the occasion. Like, um, I saw some people saying like, if he doesn't win this, he'll be remembered as a nearly man. I don't think that for a second. I think his career is absolutely ridiculous without this fight. If he had just walked away after the last Bay fight, he'd still be a legend of the sport. Um, and people would talk about him for a long time. This small kind of portly guy coming in and win the, Strike Force Heavyweight Championship, the the UFC Heavyweight Championship, you know, winning the light heavyweight championship at, at, in the UFC too. I think he's absolutely astronomical fighter. Um, I guess he's just such a nice guy. It's like mm-hmm. you want to see him going out on that that positive note. You want to see him kind of crown off his career in the right kind of way. But um, you know, I, I think Stipe's pissed off about that first fight and how it went with the eye pokes, like. Uh, my colleague, Noel McGrath, never stops harping on about it. Oh, it changed the whole fight. And there's no doubt about it. You get poked in the eye, it does change the fight. But it is just the sport, especially yeah. in the UFC. There's so many eye pokes because of the gloves. You can't bend mm-hmm. your hand inside them. They they allow you to stretch your hand completely like this. And yeah. you'll see boxing often where people mm-hmm. are trying to engage like this. So I I, I just think um, I just think he, he probably is – packing the pressure on himself, not only to to drag the best out of himself, but to sell a fight. You know, this is yeah. a situation where 
I don't feel there's a lot of hype around this. I don't feel like I feel like people are kind of forcing it more so than they usually would. I think it's because of the situation the world is in at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I still feel as though the whole Foyt Island thing had way more of a you know had way more traction in Europe mm-hmm. and places like that than something. Yeah. Like that. Maybe that's because you know the European fires are on display, but I just feel like that's just a, a marketing tool. To be honest, the all that uh, really. The trilogy, the, the whole build-up. Who's the best yeah, ever? Yeah. It, it, and it kind of got dragged out for too long. I feel like they should have done this a long time ago. Like, it felt like for a long time, Cormier was saying, oh, Stipe signed this, and he's saying, oh, I'm injured, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, it's a fight that needs to happen, but it, it feels like it's been drawn out a little bit for me. And do you think, so, like, on that point, and maybe it is a marketing too, do you think DC will retire, and regardless of what happens, will go off into the sunset? I can't take any of these MMA fighters at their words. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, it's uh, they always. <laughs> it feels like they always go back in it. Like I can remember the last time I was really confident somebody would walk away completely was Gustafsson in Sweden. I was like, ah, there's no way. If he says he's done, he's done. And now he's back. Then he was back at heavyweight fighting Verdum. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It's it's hard because I can see how excited DC gets as well. Like, and you can't blame the lad. Like. But remember that Brock Lesnar thing? I mean, that was... I've never seen a man more excited in my life at the prospect <laughs> of fighting yeah. Brock Lesnar. And I feel like if, if the right fight came his way for the right money, he'll definitely do it. And the UFC love him. They clearly love the guy. He, he's a company guy. And it, if things weren't going well, they don't have Conor McGregor at the moment. They don't have, you know, Henry Cejudo's stopped fighting. John mm. Jones isn't fighting. Like... You know, if they could somehow compel John Jones and, and Cormier to fight somehow after this for a mad amount of money. Supervised. Yeah. Heavyweight like, champ, light heavyweight champ. Then you could definitely say, like, Hall of Famers. Knock oh, it yeah. out. You that's know? A, that's like, but the thing is with that as well, it's like, it would have to be a heavyweight for me because the light heavyweight question has been answered twice as far as, like, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty emphatically. And I know yeah. people will talk about the drug test, which is which is definitely um, an asterisk put beside those fights. But I, I don't know if you could get the fans jumping up and down about Daniel Cormier at 41, who's probably going to weigh about 250 to 260 pounds on Friday, uh, yeah. you know, fight John Jones at 205. It has to be a heavyweight if they're going to do that. And I, and look, Stipe wants that fight as well. So, yeah, yeah. These, these, I feel like that's definitely Jones's next move. If, if he's complaining about money and stuff like that, the only way he's going to get paid a substantial amount of money is to fight the heavyweight champion. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it was, it was my next question was what would be next for either of those? You've answered it. My, my last question on this has to be, how are you calling it? Who's going to win and how is it going to end? Stoppage or uh, decision? I think, I think, look, I'd love to see Cormier win it. I'd love to see Cormier win it, but... For the fairy tale aspects. Yeah, yeah, look, I think he deserves it too, a great finish. But Steve is a great lad too. Just because he doesn't like speaking to the media, I can't hate on him too much. Mm. Um, but I, I do think I do think Steve is going to stop him, um, maybe in the later rounds. Or, like if, if Cormier wins, I, I think it will be predominantly a stand-up fight as well. I, I don't think it's going to go to a decision. But yeah, I just feel like Steve is just, he's too big and he feels, he feels like he's way more up for it than Cormier. And, and Cormier, I love how honest he is. He was on with my good pal Ariel there, their show on Monday, and he mm-hmm. was saying, um, he was kind of saying like, oh, you know, 
four months ago when we started this show, I couldn't jog more than you know a, a few kilometers, and now and you're like, I don't think Steve has been in a situation for the last ten years where he couldn't jog. Yeah, yeah, hours, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Look, the beauty about heavyweights, like, yeah, all those all those factors are far more influential in lighter fighters. Big yeah. heavyweight, he gets a good knock on a man, lights out. Good luck. Yeah, you're right. You're right, but I think at at this level, at this level, like with with Stipe and, and and Cormier, it's it's wishful thinking that a big bang. Like I mean, look at look at what Stipe did to Ngannou. Like he's the biggest yeah. guy in the world, and he the guy did him perfectly. So yeah. the idea that Cormier come in and and one stop one shot stop him is. I don't see it happening. But, and look, I'll probably be eating these words on Saturday night. <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? Um, I, I'm a romantic. I, I'm I'm an eternal optimist, and I, I'm I'm looking for the DC fairy tale finish. To be quite honest, it'd be great. Um, yeah, moving slightly on because we were talking about kind of headline people. There, there's no McGregor, um, Henry Cejudo stepping away. One person that's going to be drawing a lot of media attention, I, I hope, and I couldn't imagine it not happening, is Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Man, like. Like I'm not, I'm not the type of fanatic UFC fan that will say you would be. Like I love watching UFC, but I'm not an avid follower. I was flicking through my Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and I saw Sean O'Malley fights, and I was engrossed immediately. The style, the flair, the slag can drop lads quicker than others. Mats, like he has superstar quality. Mm. Tell me, tell me a little bit about him, and tell me why is he such a mouthwatering prospect for the UFC. Well, it's it's the similar to the McGregor thing. I mean, you got a you got a lot at one thirty five who can stop people with one shot. It's very rare. Um, you you don't generally see that in the lighter weight classes, and he's proved that he can do that a number of times. He's also unique looking. He's a very unique look. Mm-hmm. Big mopper hair as he's he's like he looks like um he looks like a geek almost, you know. And then he then he has this amazing flair, not only in his uh, fighting style but his personality as well. Yeah, and um, he's a star. He's he's a hundred percent a star, as you said. It looks like he could be a guy who will move the needle for the UFC without the likes of Conor McGregor and John Jones. But this this is a significant test now. This time, I think this is his toughest test he's ever had. But mm-hmm. it's still nowhere near the top of the division. Like that. That's one thing that people like Marlon Vera is a great fighter. He's very well rounded. But by beating Marlon Vera, I can't imagine anyone. In the UFC has beat Marlon Vera and then got a title shot. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that's ever yeah. happened. Um, so I do feel like he's going to win, but you, you know, we're talking about these great stars pulling away because they aren't getting paid and they should be getting paid more money. He's got, he's already hinting at this is going to be a future problem for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the last interview I saw with him, he said, I'm happy to get paid when I'm getting paid until, um, until August 16th. So he's saying like, I'll, I'll get I'm going to beat Vera, and then we're going to have to go back to the negotiation table. Now, there's no yeah. malice in that, but mm-hmm. and he should be like that. They absolutely sh- every fighter should be like that. They don't pay the fighters enough. They they really don't. When you look at their profit margins compared to what these guys are taking home, it, mm-hmm. it's terrible. And look, Sean O'Malley's saying this. What do you think it's like being an entry level UFC fighter on ten and ten? Yeah, yeah. Maybe fighting three times a year. What are you yeah. earning? Fifty grand. Tax that. Thirty grand. Pay your corners. Pay everyone. You're coming out with about twenty grand a year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you, yeah. When you're putting your body on the line like these guys do, you should be on a lot more money than that. So I completely understand these guys where they're coming from, but the UFC don't seem to understand them that well. So I can see there being uh, future problems with O'Malley. Like I mean, look, they can't pay the they can't play the bantamweight title, the champion enough money. 
He's yeah. literally said, I'm stepping away because you can't pay me enough money. So what chances O'Malley has? This but is, is that a can or a won't situation? Like, there's none so deaf as those who wish not to hear. Surely the Dana White has enough money to go around. Oh, yeah, but I mean, obviously, obviously not. Like, if if yeah. if, if Cejudo's not fighting and he's the flyweight and bantamweight champion, like, I mean, Jan's the bantamweight champion now. Cejudo wasn't defeated. Figueredo's the flyweight champion now. Cejudo wasn't defeated. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's taken away the actual lineal nature of, of titles. Like, that's yeah, the... Yeah, you're completely right. Like, you, you, if you're the promoter, you should be you should be trying everything you can to get the champion to, to fight and defend that title because it brings uh, prestige to the company. So yeah. so you have Jan with the title now. I'm a huge uh, Piotr Jan fan. I've been covering that guy since before the UFC. I, I knew he was going to be a champion. But the question mark everyone's going to have against someone like Jan now is, well, he never bet Cejudo. How would he get on yeah. against Cejudo? And inevitably, you're going to have to bring him back for that money at some stage. But if you're not doing it right now... You're missing a big, you're missing a big uh, opportunity because if this drags on for a year or so and they bring Cejudo back, people are going to say, "Ah, oh, well, is he still the same guy?" And then if Jan beats him, like, yeah. ah, he didn't beat the best version of Cejudo. So yeah. I think that's a, something that the UFC really need to uh, look into. I know Dana White says we don't understand the game, etc., but I do understand that fighters in the biggest league in the world should be getting more money than mm-hmm. a dude that's working at McDonald's. That's that's what I think, anyway. That's a fair point. <laughs> fair point uh, in terms of the actual fight itself, like you're talking about Marlon Vera, um, stylistically, it's an interesting matchup. You would imagine that the advantage is with Sean O'Malley, as in Vera has a tendency to go in like ferociously, jumping in with knees, like his, his, he's constantly on the attack. Will that suit Sean O'Malley's style to strike him and drop him? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it, it, it's almost like... Um, it's not. No, I'm being unfair now. I was going to say it's like uh, McGregor v. Siver, but no, it's not. Uh, Marlon Vera is uh, is a really good fighter, and he has he, he has good submission skills, and he has a very heavy hands. But I do think I agree with you. It's about the range that O'Malley presents with his legs. Not all, like he almost uses legs like a jab. You know, like you don't come anywhere near him. It's very hard to land a hook. Like you might be able to get a jab or a straight on him, but to come in and, and load up and, and throw a big power shot is very difficult against O'Malley. I feel like that's that's the way you know they're trying to build this guy. They know they yeah. know he's a star, and yeah. they can see that in the matchup with Vera that it's going to be very hard to get for Vera to get close to him. But because of Vera's reputation as a, as a as a you know a knockout artist as a good submission fighter, this is a huge win for Omali. Mm. As I said before, this is the, going to be the biggest name on his record, and it's going to be a great one for him to go to the negotiation table with and say, "Look, I'm moving into the higher echelons of this division. I'm going to mm. be taking on contenders now." I want more money, and I'd be—I'd yeah. say he's probably going to be on a lot more money than the vast majority of that division, like the the top three, all that stuff, all but the champion. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the the most money in the division. Do you think Daniel will give him a couple of more fights to build his height, to build hype around this guy, yeah. to make him a McGregor esque figure before he gives him a shot at the title? Yeah, like I mean, you're going to want the public screaming out for it, you know? I think, yeah, I think that's the way it was with Connor and. It probably happened, but not. There's never been anything like Connor, you know, and there never will be again. Uh, nothing will ever captivate the attention of the masses like he did in his at his peak. And I don't think it's fair to ask, like, to, you know, to expect that of O'Malley. But I certainly yeah. think there will be a huge, huge, um, a huge, huge kind of 
outcry for him to fight for the title inevitably. But I really don't like that fight for him against Piotr Jan. I really don't. I don't think he's ready for that just yet. That man is an absolute animal. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if it'll be interesting to see if they don't give him a title shot for two or three fights. What matchups he gets between then and now that might enable him to develop a skill set to be able to fight and beat Piotr Jan yeah. for the title. Well, I mean, it, the fight takes place in his wheelhouse. Jan mostly fights standing up, but it's just the pressure he puts on guys. And look at the shots he was eating against Aldo and just marching forward. It's like yeah. Aldo's one of the greatest fighters ever lived. And he, you know, he took his best and just kept moving forward. It was unbelievable. I'd love to see. I know Cody, I've been saying this for a long time. Cody's fighting Figueredo for the Floyway title now. I'm interested to see how that would go. But I would love to see. Garbrandt v O'Malley at Bantamweight. I think that's a great fight. Regardless of what happens in the Figueredo fight um, with Garbrandt, I expect Figueredo to win anyway. I think that, that's going to be a huge wake up for Garbrandt. I'd love to see that down the line, uh, Garbrandt facing uh, O'Malley. And I think that would be it. If he manages to get through Vera, I think that would be a great next fight for him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it'd be an interesting one. Uh, moving down the card just a little bit, Junior DeSantos and Jorginho uh, Rosenstrike. That's a good one as well. It's an interesting one in that they're familiar with each other. They fight in the same gym. Rosenstrike is, pardon the bun, he's a huge striker. Mm. Um, how, what, how will DeSantos want to fight this? Will he take it to the match? Will he keep it at his feet? Where is his I, advantage in this? I think it's like, you know, Jairzinho is a, a very well-rounded striker, but I think... The thing that DeSantos is better than maybe anyone at heavyweight is, is just working behind the jab. And if you don't want to let a, a striker like Jairzinho uh, um, kind of tee off on you and, and use his arsenal of techniques, all you have to do is keep the jab in his face. I think mm. that's what we're going to see Junior do. I do expect to be a very chess kind of matchup on the feet. Um, okay. Santos just prodding away with him at the jab and Jairzinho trying to land a big shot. But as you said, like I think this one applies a bit more to, to the one-shot power of the situation. I think Junior yeah. is a sophisticated boxer, but I think Jairzinho's power is absolutely... Like, some of the knockouts he's scored have absolutely not wind up on the punches. He's just touching the guys and they're, they're falling. So mm. that, that's one thing. Like Junior, Junior's been around a long time and he's been in yeah. probably too many wars with the likes of Cain Velasquez and stuff to uh, favour him in terms of durability. So anything can happen. I think... Junior's the better, better boxer. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like that chin's been loosened up a few too many times, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Just in terms of that fight, what's on the line for these lads? As in, like, if either Junior Santos or Jorginho win, what would be what's their carrot? Like, who, who's their next fight? I think there's still a big build for either of those guys. Um, Jairzinho, I think, just lost it in Ghana on his last fight. And I think... He did, Jen, 20 seconds, like. Yeah, I think I think Dos Santos has lost two fights in a row, has he? Has he lost? I think he, I think he's on a on a streak of some kind, some type of losing streak. So I think they're... Yeah, like he, he lost his last, so I didn't know it was two in a row, but yeah. It's like, um, you know, they still need to build up quite a lot. But the thing about heavyweight is, you know, if you get two wins in a row, you could be in for a title fight, you know? So it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a bad division, so I, I don't think they'll be looking at titles just yet. Um, and look, the heavyweight division is going to be in a weird place after whatever happens. Mm. Whatever happens um, on Saturday night, there is going to be a situation where either Stipe... Right, so right, say, say everything goes according to plan. Daniel Cormier wins and retires. 
Then they have the problem of now we have to make a title fight without Daniel Cormier, which is probably going to be Stipe and somebody else. Who that somebody else is, probably John Jones. And then if Stipe wins, it's probably John Jones again, if they can get him to fight for whatever amount of money they're trying to give him. Yeah. So then the rest of these guys are kind of in no man's land. And but like it's not like I don't think anyone's gonna be crying out for a Jerzinho or a Junior to win to fight for the title no matter who wins on Saturday night, you know. So it might yeah. it might be just a good time to let them kind of you know, let it let a true contender emerge from from the rest of the division before um like it's the right time to do this thing with Jones if he is gonna go the heavyweight. Like if it doesn't happen after tonight, it's it's probably not gonna happen because in theory, you think him moving up to fight the heavyweight champion and leaving the low heavyweight division, which he's dominated for so many years, would result in a bigger pay package. I know they were going to offer him more money, but it just wasn't the right amount of money for Jones. But maybe something like this could um, could get them back to the negotiation table and get them to agree something. But I certainly feel as though that's next. So unfortunately, that will bring a kind of a, a pause to the division, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it would give us some absolutely mouth-watering fights this weekend, yeah. kicking it all off. I'm going to have to leave it at that, unfortunately, because we're running out of time. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on and joining me. For anyone out there, check out The Bash MMA. It's an unbelievable podcast with yourself and Niall. Uh, look after yourself and Sherlock. We might catch you again to uh, to, uh, to to discuss the, the possible super fight of John Bones Jones and DC, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, that would be a joke. Um, That's brilliant, man. All the best. Thanks a million. And that's our show for you this week, folks. Thanks a million to uh, Peter Carroll for joining me. As I said, check out the Bash MMA podcast. Look after yourselves out there. Be good, and we'll catch you next week. Irish Media Network.